You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. We cordially welcome you to <clears throat> episode two of Rico Bronia. All things Mets, of course, honoring one of the great Mets of all time, Rico Bronia. The Mets got their asses kicked in the last two games against the San Diego Padres. They lost two out of three. The enthusiasm that we all had after the greatest split in the history of the New York Mets was dampened. And it was dampened by a shutout in game two that featured what felt to be significant injuries. More on that as the podcast rolls on. And then just an embarrassing game three in which Chris Bassett continues to pitch terribly. So the Mets lose game two and three. They get outscored 20-2 to two over the course of those two games. And we sit here now looking at this road trip, the West Coast gauntlet, with a record of three and four. It's not end-of-the-world stuff. Uh, it's annoying that the Atlanta Braves are red hot, that the Philadelphia Phillies are red hot. I think the, the biggest concern that came out of this series and we'll start here because to me it's the headline, is the health status of Pete Alonso and Starling Marte. Obviously, missing either one of those guys for a few weeks, or dare I say longer, would be a tremendous blow to the strength of this team because, let's face it, the strength of the New York Mets, the reason why they're 38-21 and 21 is because they're scoring five runs a game. That's, that's the reason. I know coming into the year, we all thought it would be starting pitching. And, and maybe once they're healthy, that will be their strength again. But right now, the reason why the Mets have survived with Max Scherzer out, the reason why they've you know, led the National League East most of the season has mostly been on the fact that they're scoring five runs a game. Missing Pete Alonso, missing Starling Marte for a significant period of time would be a major blow to that. Uh, that was what made Game 2 of this series as awful as it was. It wasn't merely... Taiwan Walker being average. It wasn't just that you Darvish was dominating and the offense couldn't figure anything out. There's a fact that we spent three hours of the middle game of this series worried about Pete and worried about Starling. And it feels like it's not ultra serious with Pete starting with him because there is no break of the hand. Even when the x-rays came back, you kind of wait and say, all right, well, what's an MRI going to say? Sometimes that first imaging isn't going to tell you the whole story. Does it turn into a James McCann kind of injury where he broke his hammock bone? 
I don't even know if that's a real bone, but we're recording this at 1 o'clock in the morning, so I'm just going to make up terms the way Gorilla Monsoon used to do in the WWE. He would literally just make up terms and say, yeah, that's his trapeze muscle, and it's sore. So I think it's a hammock muscle. I don't know. Bottom line is it looks like Pete should be back relatively soon, and the Mets could be cautious about this. And that doesn't mean necessarily put him on the injured list, but it does mean give it a couple of days, let J.D. Davis play first base, maybe even Mark Hanna at first base, and wait for Pete to come back and be 100%. If you remember last year, he got hit by a pitch against the St. Louis Cardinals in May and then went through a batting slump for about three, four weeks. So you appreciate a guy that wants to play through injury, but you have to be smart about it. So it looks like it's good with Alonzo. The Marte thing is actually more concerning because you never know if you come back too soon if you can pull a muscle or it can become worse, like a quad issue can become a serious thing. And the fact that Starling Marte said this is not an injury he's ever faced before also makes me nervous because it's not as if, ah, don't worry, I'm used to it. I've had this before. But again, I think the Mets have to take a conservative approach, which is not that you're punting games by any stretch of the imagination because the Braves are playing well, the Phillies are playing well, and all of a sudden a lead that was once 10 and a half games could very well get down to five before you know it. But you need to be smart. You can't let a Starling Marte injury become worse. He thought it was a cramp. You don't want to turn it into something far worse if you rush him back Saturday or Sunday. So I think the big takeaway from what happened with Starling Marte and Pete Alonso in game two of this series is that our biggest fear in this moment did not happen. Now it's about the Mets being conservative and smart in bringing these guys back slowly. And the other thing is, it's about guys stepping up. You know, part of why the Mets have succeeded this year, despite the fact that Jacob DeGrom hasn't thrown a pitch, the fact that Max Scherzer's now missed a handful of starts, is you've had guys step up. So to me, the guy I circle and say, here's the guy that has to perform, especially with Pete out of the lineup, is Lindor. I mean, Lindor had that incredible streak of driving in a run every single day. He's been a pseudo-MVP candidate, even though we all know Pete's the MVP of the team. But you're going to need Francisco Lindor to step up while he's out. I'll tell you what I noticed. This lineup without Pete Alonso has just no pop. I mean, it's it just really lacks muscle. It lacks scaring any other team, scaring any other pitcher. I mean, you look at the lineup from game three of this series, and you've got J.D. Davis cleaning up. You know, you've got Eduardo Escobar batting fifth. And I think we all knew if there was a thing to critique about this lineup, even with a lineup that's scoring five runs a game, is probably adding a little bit more pop to it. Well, when you take out the one guy, and really the two guys that supply the pop, the lineup looks, you know, popless, as some may say. So, look, the headline is the injuries, are the injuries. The good news is it doesn't seem to be that bad, even though Buck Showalter the other night when asked, hey, could this be a few days? And his response was, I don't share the same optimism. It looks like it may only be a couple of days. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
So that's the good news with Alonzo and with Marte. Now let's get to this series. Let's get to game one of this series because game one was actually fun. Game one was a continuation of what they did against the L.A. Dodgers. You know, they scored three runs in the first inning. Eduardo Escobar starts to break out. We didn't know in the first inning when he had that two-run single that it would lead to batting for the cycle. I mean, I don't think any of us saw that coming. But a great first inning to give an early lead to to, uh, Carlos Carrasco, who's been really good this year. I think he's been better than what his numbers say because he's had those one or two really bad starts that kind of brings up his ERA. But overall, Carlos Carrasco has been money, especially after how lousy he was a year ago. But what you loved about game one is they take the early 3-0 lead. And okay, Carlos Carrasco gives up an RBI single to Jurickson Profar, who turned out to have like the series of his life. I mean, Jurickson Profar has entered the territory of pain-in-the-ass Met killers, at least from this three-game series. But okay, Jurickson Profar, RBI single, 3-1 to one game. And this was the calling card of the Mets until the last two days. You score a run, okay, we're going to respond. They did such a good job of that in the L.A. Dodgers series, and they did that in game one of this series. They give up a run, okay, Brandon Nimmo, RBI single. And they do it consistently. Like, they did that every time they gave up runs to San Diego in this game. The Mets responded. They end up scoring 11 runs, and Wardo Escobar has this incredible breakout game that I think we've all been waiting for. I have been patient with Eduardo Escobar. Some Mets fans have, some haven't. I just expect that, not necessarily that he's going to put up the numbers he put up last year, but that he's overall going to be fine. Like sometimes you do have to give a guy a little bit of time. And so Eduardo Escobar, at least in the opener of this series, gave you that. He gave you that big time performance that you hope will lead to Escobar getting hot, and finishing this season strong, and at least putting up numbers that come somewhat close to the year he had last year when he drove in 90 runs and hit 28 home runs. So game one was great. I mean, everything was great. Starling Marte gets a couple of hits. Brandon Nimmo, who was slumping, gets on base three times. The Padres are making defensive miscues. The Mets are having these long at-bats in which they're completely battling. I mean, look what they did to Blake Snell in the first inning. And I think I mentioned it in the first podcast we did, and I've also mentioned this on the air with Craig, that this lineup sometimes reminds me of the Royals in 2015. They don't give you an easy at-bat. They fight. They claw. They're not easy to strike out. You go back to that first inning, and really it was the high-water mark of this entire series because who knew this series would turn into the crap fest that it turned into. But that first inning against Blake Snell, that's what the Mets are about this year. Long at-bats, taking close pitches, drawing walks, and forcing a starting pitcher to have to basically unload in the first inning. Blake Snell threw 43 pitches in the first inning. J.D. Davis is giving you a nine-pitch at-bat to draw bases loaded walk. Those are the kinds of at-bats that when you see the Mets have, you say, hey, that can be the calling card of this offense. Despite not having that punch, especially when Pete Alonso's not in the lineup, That's what you could expect from this team. But Carlos Carrasco was great. I was curious why Buck Showalter was using Drew Smith in sort of a blowout, but I don't know. Maybe Drew Smith, he looks at as a guy that he needs to get his confidence back because he got off to that great start and has been sort of mediocre since then. But bottom line is the Met offense was great. Carlos Carrasco was fantastic. And on the heels of the greatest split in the history of the New York Mets, you take the opener against the Padres.